Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, we welcome you into episode 12 of our winter series of 2021-2022. And as we come to the end of February, we did not want to let February pass without celebrating and commemorating Black History Month. And we will do so with a really good conversation with some folks to talk about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going as we celebrate and commemorate Black History Month. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. When he first nationalized the commemoration of Black History Month, as the United States was celebrating its 200th birthday back in 1976, President Gerald Ford at the time said he hoped that all Americans would seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every endeavor throughout our history. Over 45 years later, we continue to pay tribute to the generations of African-Americans who struggled through adversity to achieve full citizenship in our country and to also celebrate those who have helped them along the way. As we continue to find ways to foster diversity in our world of meteorology and other STEM or science, technology and engineering mathematics disciplines, I wanted to have a conversation with some people about the lessons we have learned, what's going on now and how we can move forward in fostering that diversity. Joining us in that conversation is AccuWeather's Senior Vice President for Weather Content and Forecast Operations and our Chief Meteorologist, John Porter. Also joining us, uh, an esteemed member of the Penn State faculty. He's been a professor of meteorology and atmospheric sciences and also has taught in geography and African studies. He's been at Penn State since 1996. Dr. Gregory S. Jenkins joins us. And at AccuWeather, one of our most recent hires in our meteorology department is Latroy Thornton, who has a passion for weather and forecasting and how to communicate that. So John, Greg, and Latroy join me on Everything Under the Sun. All right. As we start, I'd like to read a, a passage from an article that I read from uh, an esteemed colleague that we all know, Dr. Marshall Shepard, uh, who's uh, the main science contributor for Forbes magazine and appears on many other platforms. And uh, this was an article from a couple of years ago, back in February of 2020. He says, many people do not understand Black History Month and scowl at its very existence. While that is mainly rooted in ignorance or misunderstanding, so many of us frequently face the question, why is there a Black History Month? 
Now, he says he typically smiles and asks them if they know who these people are. Charles Drew, Warren Washington, Madam C.J. Walker. And then he pivots to questions asking them if they are familiar with the role of the Tuskegee Airmen in World War II or if they knew why Dr. Martin Luther King wrote his famous letter from a Birmingham jail cell. He says the blank stares are usually an opportunity to explain that many of us learned a truncated United States history in a school. So months like this help correct or fill in those history lessons omitted from curricula over the years. Shockingly, Dr. Shepard says, I was the first African-American to receive a doctorate from Florida State University, the second to serve as president of the American Meteorological Society. And his doctoral student at the time, Marcus Williams, a meteorologist and geographer, was only the first African-American to receive his doctorate from the Department of Geography at the University of Georgia only just a few years ago. He says it's a sad fact, but many firsts are still being made. And he then went on to reflect on how the weather contributes in his mind to the importance of Black History Month, talks about the weather on the day that Rosa Parks took her stand by taking a seat on that bus and and goes forward. But that's kind of where I'd like to start this conversation with both you, Greg, and Latroy, and talk about some of the historical figures and some of the things that you uh, bring to the table when you think and want to educate people in Black History Month and some of the things that have uh, helped buoy you and help to get your experience going and trying to help educate all of us in this special month of the year. Greg, we'll start with you. I've always thought that Black History Month was important um, because when I think about my high school, I really, we, we had nothing in the curriculum about not only Black History Month, but Black people in general. There was a missing part. Now, I went to Lincoln University, which is a historically Black college, about 50 miles southeast of, of Philadelphia. And I would say that's really where it wasn't just Black History Month in February. It was Black History Day every day right. of the year when I was there. And I spent so much time in the library looking at the works of amazing people like Langston Hughes and others. And they, they were all surrounding me while I was studying physics. So I guess it's just, yeah, it's a blind spot. And I think we, when you think about how we deal with the difficulties that are facing many communities today, not only is it the larger population that we have to reach, but we have to reach the young population and tell them that they're part of a long line of scientists and doctors and engineers. And it's not just fixed in time. I believe that the students that I teach, they're part of that and they will be part of that legacy long after I'm gone. Let's then forward to part of that legacy, which is Latroy, who's a uh just coming into the working world in the last couple of years, joined us here at AccuWeather. So you've got a couple of decades and a couple of maybe a generation or two beyond the experience that Dr. Jenkins had, LaTroy. What about you as uh, you came into learning about Black History Month and Black History and then also about meteorology and STEM and all those things? How did you uh, kind of relate the past to the present as you've gone through these last couple of years? Well, I would say that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of a generation 
that is starting to understand that everyone needs to be included. Every story needs to be told. This was not the case 60, 70 years ago. You know, I'm part of a group of people who are actively trying to make it better, it seems. In terms of historical figures who have influenced me, it's really just been, at this point in my life, I would say that it's been all of the top names you hear about. People like Langston Hughes, you know, people as far off as Louis Armstrong. Every famous person who's made some sort of impact and has broken barriers, you know, blasted through, been the first. Those are people who've inspired me because you look around and I've looked around here, you know, looking at the Hall of Fame. I don't see many people who look like me on the pictures on the walls. Right. But I'm here now. And it means it means something to me to be someone who has the chance to make an impact that maybe people will look back on in the future. You know, maybe I'd have my picture up on the wall. Maybe it would be the only one there for a while. I don't know. But I feel like I have the chance to potentially make an impact based on the people who have fought to even be included in the conversation. People who have been able to walk in the door at a university who would not have been able to do so half a century ago. It means something to me to be a, to potentially be a part of this history. I, I try to find history wherever I can. My memory is not as good as it should be. But whenever I hear that someone of color was the first to discover this, or did you know that this was actually invented by a black person? It, it means something to grab onto those facts, because I feel like in this time, we're starting to find out more about that. We're starting to find out that these were suppressed facts, suppressed figures, suppressed historical events. And now we're able to share them more easily. And that way we can learn that it's not just been one color in this country. It's not just been one color in this world to create these things that we take for granted. We were taking these things for granted. And it's about time that we start to understand that it's not just one sort of person making an impact in this world. Not just one color, not just one creed, not just one sexuality, not just one everything. It's all of us. And that diversity uh, is incredible that we're, we're feeling it, you know, as a, as a gay man, I I've been, you know, buoyed by just the acceptance factor of somebody who is in sports and meteorology, which is two areas that are kind of discongruent at times, but you know, it's, it's, it's that acceptance I think is growing. And I think when it comes to excitement and passion, John, you see this, um, and maybe you want to comment a little bit in terms of the way AccuWeather's tried to approach this. But when you see that passion for a subject, it's beyond color. It's beyond anything that defines us except the passion for getting the weather forecast right, helping people to protect their property, save their lives, and doing all the things that we do in this field. Well, I think that's a, a great point. And this is, these are the important conversations um, that we need to have as a society and as a meteorological community in general. And the, and the point, in, and I, I loved uh, what both Dr. Jenkins and, and Latroy said about the fact that now is the time to tell those stories that maybe haven't been told before so that we can more fully appreciate the diversity and the impact that Black scientists have had and other great diversity across um, the atmospheric sciences and more broadly in, in society in general. And I think uh, hearing your voices here in, in, uh, 
in, co- in conversations like today is so important because I remember when I got into this field, you know, I've been at AccuWeather 18 years now. And I remember that when I first got started in meteorology, there just wasn't much diversity. And I know from, uh, you know, being a Penn State alum, we had some diversity there back in the day, and it's gotten even uh, even more inclusive there now. Of course, we have much more uh, enhancement that's needed going forward. But I remember thinking early in my career, there's not a lot of diversity here, and we're not getting a lot of the good ideas from different people and different cultures and different traditions And uh, I think there's been a real push uh, from the meteorological community to think about how do we, first of all, admit that that's an issue that we're dealing with and come up with strategies to make sure that we are being more inclusive and representing. We have to represent uh, the, the makeup of the meteorological community and the science community has to look like the diversity of the world, the people who we serve and how who use our insights. And if we don't have that diversity and we don't have those great various ideas, we're losing out on something. And uh, you know, Dr. Jenkins was one of my first instructors at Penn State, and I, you know, I really learned early on. You know, he brought different traditions and a different approach into the classroom, and I always appreciated that because uh, it, it gave you a, a wider view. And in in a lot of ways, I think that's the challenge uh, for us now is today, how do we engage the next generation of scientists so that they know people who uh, of all kinds of different backgrounds, Dean, as you mentioned, they can see in the scientists today that I could be that person and I could have just as much of an impact as as Greg or as Latroy or as Dean. That's so important. Why do you think, and let's let's talk about and rip the bandaid off. Why was that? Why has, uh, at least historically, it seems um, the STEM, science, technology, environment, uh, those kinds of things. Why has that been a situation where it seems like diversity has been lagging? Um, is you know, obviously, there's partial responsibility to way education set up in certain areas. Even more, is it just a, a general encouragement of people who have uh, ideas that they want to belong to something, a meteorological or a science-based community, and encouraging them to be that? I mean, what's the difference between Greg's generation and Latroy's, where Latroy now feels much more of an opportunity at the present moment? Is it just that encouragement of people more and more? I would say that, to an extent, it is a, a level of encouragement. People are more free, I feel today, to pursue what they want to do. I never grew up thinking that it's this isn't something that I can do. I've basically known since I was 11 or 12 that I would be going to school for meteorology. I've loved it since I was seven or eight. I've never had to think, well, will I not be able to get into this school just because of the color of my skin? We've made strides in certain aspects of promoting diversity and making sure that everyone is represented. But it's also, it has to start with a younger generation as well. We have to keep going. You know, the strides that were made from older generations to my own have allowed me to understand what it takes to keep it going. And the fact that people are willing to, well, they're less unwilling to 
understand the progress and the strides that we've made as a people makes it so that future generations may just have it easier, may have less of that pushback. As people are finally growing educated as to the fact that African Americans and people of color have contributed important things to the field, not only of meteorology, but to science in general. There's just more awareness, more information is out there, and that's helped a lot. I think also the awareness that there are more opportunities rather than the opportunities you see and hear in media in this field in terms of research, and especially now that uh, climate science is to the forefront with our uh, planet warming and all the issues that we're seeing because of that. And so with this immediacy that this uh, study of the climate and science and environment needs to be accelerated so we can understand what we're getting ourselves into here over the next couple of decades, Dr. J, I think uh, even more so that call to action may be spurring more and more people with diversity to get involved because they're concerned about their future and they want to help try to figure out the questions and the answers. I, I agree with you. Um, and I and I definitely feel like the encouragement is important. The environment is also important. And when I say that, I know that we lose students, students of color who may come into an environment like University Park and not feel like they're part of it. Like they, they feel kind of outside of it. They, let's say they come from Philly. I came from Philly. I'm from right. West Philly, right? right. So, it's a different world up here in central PA than it is down in southeastern Pennsylvania. There's just no way around that. Yeah. And I think that that quite often it's often not talked about or that there are little small events like small microaggressions or microaggressions that happen to students and they have to have a support system in place. And it, this could be any person. It doesn't have to be only a person of color, but you've got to, you've got to kind of walk them through that. It's, it's not, they don't, I mean, people don't know why it happens. It's very stressful and we need to make sure that we have healthy people from an emotional point of view, a mental point of view, so, so that they can pursue the things that they love. And access is also another issue, you know, in Philly and in many other school systems, that kids don't come in maybe with AP calculus or they don't come in with those and we have to make a way for them. And that means maybe we have to restructure so that they're not put on a fast track where it means that they fail. Maybe we do the calculus before they come in. Right. Maybe we inspire and they need inspiring people. So they need to have uh, Jonathan Porter or Steve Smith or Marshall Shepard come and give them a pep talk once in a while about hanging in there and that there is a future ahead. And I think that to me, that really matters. And I always, always say that for me, this is important. Okay, so Jonathan and Steve and Chris Patty, for me, they were some of my favorite students. But I always say that it's important to make the experience of the students positive. Because if they see me as a black man treating them with respect, then I think they reciprocate when the time comes for them and they have to come across a person of color. To me, that is really what this is about, is that you have to you have to give in all directions and then you 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 hope that it will be given to future 
generations. I, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, the topic of mentoring and having good role models that um, the younger generation can look up to is so important. And uh, it kind of, you know, Latroy and Greg both said this in the sense that these aren't just historical figures. These are professionals that are making an impact today in our field. And one of the things I think meteorology is particularly good at is the mentoring and people on balance. I know this has been my experience in the, in the field that on balance, people take the time when they see a younger person or, or another person who's got a real passion for weather, the same passion that's in me and in all of us that are on this call today, that to spend time to out of their busy schedule to uh, provide them with ideas, help, encouragement, uh, support. Because my goodness, I had so many of those people do that for me when they could have been, they were so busy doing other things, but they took the time to encourage me at various times when I was um, growing up. And, and I think that our field has, because we have a common mission of helping people, uh, I think that the meteorology field has a, a strong suit in that area. So I guess I just wanted to check, ask both Latroy and and uh, and Greg about how how do we how do we encourage the next generation and to to really help people with diverse backgrounds understand that they can be right at the table and making such an impact, just like everybody else in this field. And what do you think we can all do? as scientists and as professionals to help inspire the next generation of scientists? I would say that most important is probably making sure that those who have this interest, this passion in weather and meteorology, you have to identify that because it's not something that's just minor. You have to find them. You have to go out and find those who really love to do this and speak with them, find out what they like, find out what they enjoy. Because we know as meteorologists, there's always something that you can teach. And for young, younger people who don't necessarily have all the tools at hand to learn what they want to know the most about, if you can be that person who gives them those tools to show them where to look so that they can foster that love of learning on their own, that's essential. You, you have to have it come from somewhere. And if it's someone who looks like them, there may be that extra connection to say, this person has learned what I want to know. I need to follow them. I need to see how many more people are out there who can teach me what I need to know. This person has done it. That means that I can do it. That's, that's the most important, important part to me, you know, to be that person who has done it. And then to find those who need you, those who might really be specifically looking for someone who looks like them. That's essential. That's it's invaluable, really. It, it lets them know that, yes, it is possible. It says that once and for all, it's been done. We're making that progress now. You can be a part of that progress. There's no information that's off limits to you anymore because of what you look like. That's the message that needs to be out there. Everything is possible. I did not have it easy growing up. I managed to make it to where I am today, despite that person, to be honest. You know, I, I, I had some rough times in my childhood. You know, I graduated from high school 
a month or two after getting out of the shelter system. And I had been there for almost a year. I didn't let that stop me. It's a testament. You know, you don't have to let any sort of situation stop you, no matter what you look like, no matter where you grew up. I guess the the outgrowth for that, and as we throw it over to Dr. J, is how do we encourage diverse people to show us that excitement? Because sometimes when we see it, John's right. When I see excitement, I don't see color. I don't see race. I don't see sexuality. I see excitement for the weather. And I want to help that person be the best person in our field. So how do we how do we kind of uh, get those people to come out of the shell and show that excitement? Dr. J, what, what do we need to do? Well, I, 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 I'm, I think which was right on point. Um, we need infrastructure, right? So, you know, we have a program at Penn State call Environmentors that I help formulate and I'm the director of, and the whole point of that was, let's go to the high schools. So what we do, the main point of that is we don't, I don't ask the teachers to give me the, the A students. I say, give me the interested students, the right. ones that show some kind of, I just need a spark. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need a, you know, a, a road scholar. You don't need a road scholar. You just want somebody just, who has, I just, uh, I, yeah, I need, I need interest. a spark. And for me, what we do is we take those students, we match them up with an undergrad mentor and a faculty mentor. And the whole point of that is, a kid who's in Harrisburg or Sharon, PA, and hopefully Philly will get to them, you know, they need to be introduced to the university. They need to be introduced to people who are actually out there doing stuff and getting some hands-on experience. And then at like 10th grade, you're like, oh, I'll never go to college. But then you're in a university setting in this program. So you are in college and you learn soft skills and you learn hard skills and you meet people who you're like the undergrad mentors, like, they tell me that undergrads say that that's like their babies, like they have to take care of them. They're only a year or two ahead of them and they can ask them questions that they might be afraid to ask me, right? About, should I even apply? Am I good enough? All those things. So we need to build infrastructure and this can be built, I think in a private sector or in universities where we do more of that kind of mentoring at the level of saying, we've got a program, maybe it's, six weeks, four weeks. So we need that kind of thinking on the table. We also need storytelling. And so the storytelling, and Marshall's really good at this. I can't be on Twitter that much, but... (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, Dr. J. We have to tell stories, right? So we, as people who are interested in the environment, the, the atmosphere, you know, you're like, oh yeah, Sandy like bombed out at 940 off the Atlantic City that's, a, that's like an experience, right? right? And that is what excites you. Oh, my students flew into Hurricane, uh, I can't remember, it starts with an E, but it, bom- it bombed out. It went from a Cat 4, from a Cat 1 to a Cat 4 in like, I don't know, 10 hours, 12 hours. And they were flying inside looking at the stadium effect. And when they tell those stories, they excite. And so it's like, we've got to all tell our stories wherever we are, so that this younger generation can hear them and that they can connect to them. And then they see you, the person. It's not really some far off thing. It's real. (laughs) It's it's, it's real. I think one of the exciting things to me too now is it seems there is a growing diversity in the places where you can learn 
meteorology and atmospheric science with the quality that may have been reserved to more limited institutions, say, 10, 20 years ago. And so that opportunity to get that education, maybe in more of a general sense earlier on, and then pick the way you want to go in terms of graduate. So I think there are, it, it's, it's, we're, we're coming to me to a good nexus here, but I think all these ideas from, from Greg and Latroy are good. And I know certainly we here at AccuWeather are, are, are really committed to trying to increase diversity in this field and, and, and go with it. And I really appreciate this conversation today. I think uh, certainly helped me understand more and, John, I don't know if you have anything to add or, and, and we can get some final comments from both Latroy and, and Greg here. Well, I loved it. I think it's uh, the kind of I, I thank uh, all of you for uh, for contributing your ideas and uh, and your thoughts on this very important topic. And I think uh, it was also very inspirational in the sense that we can all make a difference uh, to, to build a, a, a more diverse and a more inclusive atmospheric science community and society in general. And sometimes the way to do that is to just listen. And so, um, and, and listen and understand where are the real opportunities and how do we work together in new creative ways to provide that inspiration. And I think one of the things that really resonates for me with me from this discussion today is about that spark and identifying the the spark in the next generation, no matter what they look like or what their sexual orientation is, um, what their background is. As Dean said, I love, I really like how you said it. It doesn't matter. It's the passion, and it's the excitement, and the fact that if we can, as a community, help encourage and nurture that excitement, that type of excitement and passion is not teachable. When people have it, it's incumbent upon us, whoever they are, to help inspire it and really drive the next generation of, of scientists. So this has been really an, an exciting discussion in that uh, in that vein. And thank you for the inspiration on it. Dr. Jenkins, I'll give you the floor for a bit here. Well, I just want to say that um, the inspiration comes from so many places. And I think back to being in West Philly and being excited about a potential snowstorm and listening to KYW and and hearing uh, Joe Bastardi or Evan Meyer, Elliot Abrams talk about yeah. how the low pressure was gonna develop off the East Coast. And I was like, man, to be like, it's a double barrel storm. And I'm like, hmm, what is that? <laughs> like all of us in this room, right? <laughs> and uh, so those, those things helped to spur my imagination as a kid. And I also, you know, as I got older, Warren Washington is my mentor and he's, he's always been my mentor. He's, I think he's about to turn 85 or 86. And trust me, I still call him when I'm uncertain about what to do next. Mm -hmm. And I often find myself asking, what would Warren do when I get in situations? And I think that's the kind of living legacy that mentors can have on generations that they may not even know about, that like, wow, he's thinking about how I would handle a situation. And I think that that's important. And meeting people like Charles Anderson, the first PhD, Black African-American PhD, th those things stay with me. I never forget those events. Latroy, and, and in your situation too, I know, um, you know, your passion at AccuWeather has already been 
uh, realized by people. And I think, uh, you know, I, I like to, to kibitz with you behind the scenes and talk to you and give you little tricks. Cause I know you're excited about radio and, and doing some of the things that I do. And so, I mean, I think uh, that's, that's been real important and real good for us and for you. And uh, what are some other things that you would like to see going forward here and uh, some final comments from you on this? Oh, sure. And I, I really appreciate that. That's, it means a lot to me to know that even though I am, am here, I can still be a part of this community and learn from everyone. You know, people are gravitating toward me to to latch on to see what I like to do and to help me. It's it's still happening here, and that's great. Um, but in terms of the general process, I feel that moving forward, we can make the most progress by normalizing what is normal. If you normalize the normal and a love of the weather is normal, no matter mm-hmm. where you live. No matter who you are, there are people in every single community on this planet who are infatuated with some aspect of the weather. We just have to make sure that they know that they can do that. People in certain areas grow up thinking that they might have to be a certain way or like certain things, or that if they do like certain things, that there are others, not others around them who do. But every community has many people who feel the same way. If we can get those people to express themselves and to find ways and avenues to find out more about the things that they love and to understand that they can do this no matter where they grew up and they don't have to suppress it based on what they might feel is acceptable or you know accessible to them, that's the big goal. Everyone has to be able to understand that whatever they want to do is accessible to them. That's the progress that we need to make. And that's where, as has been said many times, people who can go to those communities and make sure that those ideas, that spark is fostered and nurtured. That's the progress that we need to make, because even among people who love the weather, they might not feel that they can be themselves and truly express that in the communities. And that's where we need to make progress still. Dr. Gregory Jenkins, Latroy Thornton, thanks for giving us some sparks and things to think of here as we commemorate Black History Month on Everything Under the Sun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. We'll take a break. And when we come back, John Porter will rejoin me and we'll talk about AccuWeather's commitment to diversity. And John and I will take a look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond as a potent storm exits the Northeast this weekend. We set ourselves up for what should be a little bit quieter week next week. We hope at least. That's coming up next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com here on episode number 12 of our winter series. In this uh, special episode where we have been commemorating Black History Month, I want to Welcome back, uh, our senior vice president and our chief meteorologist, John Porter. And John, I want to just kind of put a, a book into that that great interview that we just did with Dr. Jenkins and Latroy, and uh, just kind of talk a little bit about AccuWeather and its commitment to diversity. You know, I've been here now. This is my 25th year employed by AccuWeather. Uh, and 
as someone who checks a few boxes on his own, um, I've always been uh, extremely happy to say that I work for AccuWeather because of the way we handle diversity. We just want to foster as much as we can. And I think we had some good discussion in that last segment about how we can try to make people who might not feel like they could have a future in weather or STEM, how going forward uh, that they can be just if they have an enthusiasm that there is a path forward in that. And I believe that AccuWeather has certainly always been at the forefront of that. And I've always been proud of these 25 years to work for this company and uh, to celebrate that. And I'm glad we were able to have that discussion, but it's certainly something ongoing and, uh, and something of a focus for us in our company. It, Dean, it is. I think you described it well. And this is my 18th. I'm finishing my 18th year here, about heading into my 19th year at uh, AccuWeather. And I feel the same. It's so important to have uh, a diverse team and, a, and an environment that everyone feels welcome because that's where the where people are able to contribute um, at such a high level. And that's part of the uh, the environment that we have at AccuWeather, it's it's work we're, we're committed to, and we've always been committed to welcoming and making it a, a comfortable and respectful workplace for everyone um, who works here, and that everyone feels included. And that's such a part of our our DNA, uh, and that's why we are really proud of our diversity and inclusion uh, efforts. We have, you know, Dean, a couple of other things that I think are important to point out about this. We actually have a team of. Of, uh, of colleagues that have a diversity inclusion committee that really focus on building our continuing to enhance the diversity and inclusion within AccuWeather and engaging team members around this very important topic. And one of the things that I'm, I think is really unique is we have a program called Lived Experiences where members of our team can talk about their own personal experiences in almost a town hall format that allows some uh, questions and answers around people sharing the, their own experiences in their own life. And, their, and, and that really has fostered some really interesting understanding and uh, furthered uh, sort of the diversity inclusion uh, goals that we have as, as part of our team. So I think that's one of the really interesting aspects that we not only promote that within the field, but it's a, it's a core part of our workplace. And I know over the years, in those 18 years that you've been here at AccuWeather, uh, especially in your earlier years, you were spending a lot of time trying to go out and about and, and try to, um, you know, not only uh, make sure people knew what AccuWeather was doing, but then try to foster uh, the greatest people to come to AccuWeather. And so I know personally, that's been something that you've tried to do uh, when we go out and try to find people. Uh, again, I think what LaTroy was saying, too, I think is the real key. We got to make sure that people understand that there is a path forward to do this stuff, that, you know, just because people um, look and sound a certain way to give the weather in the past, that's not the way it is. And it's not all about talking in front of a camera or in front of a microphone. There's a lot of areas that people can get involved in, bring their their special knowledge to it to bear. And, and I think that's been something, you know, not only what we try to do internally, but then also try to bring in that diversity is something we've been trying to do. And we hope that that is continuing going forward. That's right. I think that's a key point. It's that passion about meteorology and making an impact and making a difference. Our team does that every day. And as LaTroy said very well, 
we want to inspire everyone with that interest and with that passion um, to, to realize that they have a, a, a seat at the table. They have a place here. They have a place within the meteorological community to make a difference. And increasingly telling those stories like we did today and exploring the importance of diversity, the importance of STEM to, to drive uh, STEM education to drive the next generation of atmospheric scientists and meteorologists and communications professionals. That's what I'm really excited about. And, you know, AccuWeather, we also, one of one of the other very important initiatives that we have is uh, uh, a scholarship that, uh, that we have established with the American Geophysical Union, AGU. Uh, and that scholarship is uh, purposely awarded to a woman of color pursuing an advanced degree in atmospheric sciences and it celebrates and recognizes, it names June Bacon Bursey is uh, recognized with that, uh, w- with that scholarship. And June was the first black woman atmospheric scientist and meteorologist on the air uh, as a broadcast meteorologist. And uh, in fact, uh, the first recipient of that scholarship was at June's alma mater at UCLA. And we've just opened up the nominations for the second uh, awarding of that scholarship. So that's just a real another way that we're uh, recognizing and celebrating the importance of diversity and also recognizing and celebrating June's personal significant contributions to the meteorological community, a real trail trailblazer. Yeah, that is uh, that is a great scholarship and, and a great way to uh, try to give back. And again, thanks, John, for sharing all those thoughts as uh, we kind of take a little bit of a wrap up on that aspect and we want to take a quick look at the weather going forward here as we go through the upcoming weekend and the week beyond. And wow, what another busy week with another long duration storm all the way from Texas up into the Northeast and New England as we're dropping this podcast Friday afternoon, kind of getting into the end game for this storm up in the Northeast and New England. But there's going to be hefty snow totals, a lot of icy conditions and once again, uh, walloped by winter. But the good news is, John, going through the rest of the weekend and into the part, you know, next week, it looks like things slow down a little bit in terms of the volatility of the weather. There's going to be some systems, some kind of clipper systems coming through the Great Lakes in the Northeast, but um, certainly not as active and not as prolific as we've seen over the last, well, really eight weeks have been just crazy here in the weather. Office. Yeah, th- this, we, we, this has been a very active weather pattern. I think that's the key is that it slows down for a bit. <laughs> and we're going to put that for a bit out there because it looks like, uh, the pattern is going to be sort of these quick moving systems, reinforcing the cold from the great lakes into the Northeast as we make our way through the middle of the week. And then later in the week, it looks like things are gonna try to uh, turn milder across the East, a bit of a pattern change there. Uh, It will be drier next week and less active, as you mentioned, across parts of the Mississippi and Ohio valleys that have been dealing with quite a bit in the way of both rain and also snow and ice at times in recent weeks. So I think that's a notable change. And then we're gonna have to watch later next week there's some signs of uh, another storm, might be a significant one, sort of coming out of the front range and heading up into the Midwest, uh, which could contain snow and ice on the north side of the storm and a severe weather risk on the south. It's the old recipe this time of the year. So it uh, does look like 
will be quieter for a bit and then turning a little bit more active likely later next week and the next weekend. Even though it's quieter, some things that you got to keep an eye on is with these rapid swings again. And, you know, we've seen temperatures already get 65, 70 along the eastern seaboard on a couple of these warm swings. But you remember, yeah. we're, we're, we're teetering with all the snow and ice and then the warm ups and we're going to have more ice jam flooding and more problems with that melting and flooding and that kind of stuff is so even though it's quieter, there's still going to be some issues. And, yeah, that storm late next week into late this coming week and into the following week, that looks like it sets us up for another volatile week or so after that with a lot of cold air that just doesn't want to let go across the northern tier of the country. And then that uh, uh, that consistent fight with the warm air to the south. So, yeah, kind of a, a little bit of a break. And then it looks like we could be right back from in the firing pan in the fire again the following week. And those types of uh, setups, that's a classic sort of heading into spring setup mm. when you have the battle of the air masses of burgeoning warmth to the south, as, as you talked about, Dean, with cold, persistent cold air. And that's been the, the, uh, the story here over the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, that battleground uh, is going to lead to probably a very active storm track and our long range team. Uh, continues to feel that we're going to be heading into an early and active tornado season, especially across the South. And you can see how those pieces are on the, uh, the those sort of players are on the field for trouble in that, uh, in that direction. So we'll have to watch in the coming weeks too, as that risk evolves. One other thing quickly I want to mention, Dean, is don't discount that uh, snow squall risk this time, this weekend across Northern New England, mm -hmm. uh, and into parts of uh, maybe even in central Massachusetts, uh, even parts possibly getting into parts of southern New England, maybe even down to New York City here on uh, Sunday afternoon and evening as one of those other fresh shots of cold air arrives. Yeah, and it may even start in places like uh, uh, Detroit uh, earlier in the yep. day, Sunday, and then just comes right across the lakes. You're right. And that's been the MO2 with these uh, last couple of weeks, you know, a big midweek storm. And then we get these shots of a uh, squally snow shower. So that's certainly definitely something to watch this weekend. John, I know it was special to you to have uh, Dr. Jenkins on with us uh, last segment. I know uh, you had classes with him and I know you're excited about what Latroy is doing already for this company. And I know you're really proud of our team here because, like you said, the last eight weeks, there's been a lot of hard work and a lot of long hours and trying to make sure everybody's prepared. So I know uh, you're pretty excited about that aspect of it. You, you are. Th thanks for pointing that out. I am very proud of uh, Latroy and his contributions uh, already at AccuWeather and, and excited about the things that, that he was talking about and the impact uh, that he's having. And you, absolutely, with regard to Greg Jenkins, uh, it's not every day that we have one of my favorite uh, college professors on on the air with us, and he um, he made he was a great instructor for me at uh, at, at Penn State, and uh, as he said, he brought a different view into the classroom, and that was what was so powerful for him. Not only was he a great instructor, remember one time he was asking uh, for us to put our uh, how we arrived at a, at a mathematical solution up on the board. And uh, it was, you know, showing different people how they had different approaches to it. And so I put mine up there. He called on me. I put up my uh, my solution, how I got to it. And he goes, where in the world did you come up with that? <laughs> and he goes, I've never seen anything that crazy. I said, well, I learned that from from one of my math professors. But we had a, it was just a, a that's the kind of instructor and interactive and um and right, not a condescending, but more like, hey, I didn't really, you know, like, yeah, he's like well, 
I, the best instructors are people that can learn with you and, and the people in the classroom as well. That's you awesome. got it. So that was special. Thank you for pointing that out. All right, John, thanks so much for being with us here on Everything Under the Sun. And that'll do it not only for this episode, but also our winter series of 2021-2022, because we will change the calendar to March. And with that, we'll get into meteorological spring. And as we talked about, there's some definitely volatile weather coming over the next several weeks that we'll have to keep a track of. We'll get some latest gardening tips next week, as I know some of my spring bulbs are already starting to push up it's concerning me a little bit because we still have some cold weather to go through we'll talk about maybe some early spring garden preparations ahead we'll take a look at the astronomy report as we get into spring and anywhere the weather meets your life as we get ready to enjoy the uh, ramp out of this winter weather that we've had over the last several weeks that's what's coming up in our spring series which starts next week for our executive producers ken prell and andrew robb and our hundreds of team members at accuweather.com who work hard every day to weatherproof your life on our accuweather app our accuweather.com website and our accuweather network and accuweather now and everywhere else where accuweather is thank you for listening to everything under the sun i'm dean devore have a great week we'll talk to you next week as we start our spring series for 2022 here on everything under the sun from accuweather.com thanks for listening to this week's episode be sure to subscribe to rate and review everything under the sun on apple podcasts itunes spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and of course if you have an idea for a future podcast just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.